0: Welcome to London Runway style. Each episode, we look at a feature you can find in our pages or conduct an interview with a notable person in fashion. If you want to listen with a visual aid, head to londonrunway.co.uk for a digital or print copy. Today, we're talking to Robin Bobay.
1: My era is, you know, the the Stones and the Beatles and... uh, that music of that period, it's so funny because music of that period and fashion were hand in hand. Yes. And and I loved, you know, I was so into Carnaby Street and Biba and, uh, you know, Vivian Westwood. And mm. that whole, that, you know, that was, the, there was a store here in New York that opened up. Um, in the 60s where Betsy Johnson was the designer and it was called Paraphernalia and everyone hung out there Um, I used to be so intimidated I would I would go by the shop and I would stand outside and I would peer in Uh, I mean the the Velvet Underground would perform there
0: Mm.
1: it was such a cool time I have to tell you Of course, everybody thinks their time is cool, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: I don't know. I think think these
0: days we have a tendency to go, oh, it was cooler in the past.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and and that's that's another thing about New York City because, first of all, um, I grew up on Long Island in the 50s and the 60s, and I moved into New York City in... 1971 and you know people think of that time as New York being very dangerous and maybe it was but I was totally oblivious I had the best (laughs) time you know I went to Woodstock I still have my ticket I was uh you know I was a hippie and um the the uh close of the era um, really, really were a defining time for me because I think that was when I I really changed. I, I When I grew up, you know, I was very shy and mm-hmm. I was as shy as Laura in the Glass Menagerie. And um, it, I was painfully shy. And you know, I used to look at the fashion magazines. I used to look at, you know, 17 and glamour and and mm-hmm. Cheryl Teagues. Oh my God, I wanted to be Cheryl Teagues more than anything. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I didn't have the little turned up nose and I didn't have um, the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And I just really really what happened is i turned all those feelings inside you know all those feelings of i can't be that person who i want to be and i was depressed growing up yeah and, and you know i think really um i wanted to be a model so badly mm-hmm. and you know in those days And it's kind of funny, I think that's why I do what I do because in those days, there was really one look. Right. It was such a narrow focus. I mean, if you didn't have that look, you had no chance of modeling. Right. And, you know, today um, on my Instagram, which is at modern age or casting, I posted a, uh, a wonderful story that was in the New York Times yesterday about Beverly Johnson, who was the first black model on a cover of Vogue. yeah, in nineteen seventy four. And this article, you you know, really, your readers must, must read this article by Ruth LaFerla. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes in the style section of the New York Times. And what Beverly Johnson, the thing that's so amazing about her is that she really was focused. I mean, she went to Eileen Ford and she said, I am going to be on the, I'm going to be on the cover of Vogue. And Eileen yeah. Ford said, no, you, you, they've, they do not post, they do not have women. They do not have black women on right. the tour of Vogue. And she, you know, she really didn't care. She didn't, she, you know, whatever, if anybody said anything to her that was negative, it made her just want to do it more so. And, and she was a groundbreaking model. And she broke down boundaries. So um, I, I really respect her. Wow. And, you know, I have, I, you know, it's something else I love to do. I love to, I'm a real researcher at heart. <laughs> and I love to go onto to uh, newspapers and I love to go into the archives. And I love to see what was going on in the modeling world in the yeah. 60s, in the 70s. And, I, you know, um, tomorrow on my Instagram, I'm going to post a real doozy of an article that I found from the New York Times, um, also about Beverly Johnson. And it is so racist. <gasps> it is so racist what they oh show it's it, and it is just people are just not going to believe what what this article has to say. So if anybody's interested, yeah, might go to my IG account at Modern Ager Casting and take a look at this article. And um, you know, that is the reason why I created my casting company, for yeah. casting. And it's, you know, for 40 plus models of diversity, because I knew I had to be part of the change. Yeah, We need to expand those boundaries of who we see. And that's what, you know, that's what my work is. That's what, you know, I always, I always feel like um, we need to make changes. And I'll, I'll tell you something else. When I was 60, I became a model myself. Wow. <laughs> and and it was, I you know, my husband and I have a photo studio. Yeah. And we work with Getty Images and we shoot a lot of older women who um, are not seen and we need to make these women available. And we work with an art director and we shoot women who are inspirational, but mm-hmm. real, real. We want to see women that look like us right. And so that's really one of one of my passions. Um, you know, so, like I said, when i I think I think one of the reasons I do this is because of how bad I felt about myself, that you know there was yeah. gated community. Mm. that I couldn't make head heads or tails of, you know, you know, um I remember also when I was maybe I was sixteen. Um, I remember going to an open call that Eileen Ford had. I was in high school Mm -hmm. and there was one day a week where she would have open calls. I remember walking in, taking a look at all these young girls and just knowing I didn't stand a chance. And I turned around and I walked out. Uh, and there were two things I was so intimidated and there were right. two things I said to myself then and there, I will never work with models and I will never marry a fashion photographer. <laughs> what did I, do? I did both. <laughs> so somewhere in there, I must be a masochist. Right. <laughs> and, you know, my first job, in, when I moved into Manhattan, my, I went to FIT, yeah. uh, the Fashion Institute of Technology, and I went at night and I needed a day job to support myself. Mm. And they had a wonderful placement department. So they sent me to a catalog studio, like Sears and Pennies,
0: mm.
1: uh, this was, it, they were known for being like a factory. They had about five different studios with about five different photographers, and the clothes, I, let me tell you something, they all had <laughs> stylists, but you have to realize That it was all smoke and mirrors because we used to use clamps. The the clothes were so terrible. (laughs) They were, you know, they were this polyester, the worst materials you could ever find. And (laughs) but these gorgeous women, because the same models that were doing Vogue were doing catalogs for their bread and butter. Catalogs was where the money was and Vogue, they didn't get paid. I mean, they got paid, but it was not anything that you could live. But it was prestige. Yes. And so um I I mean, but like I I remember that a lot of the models at that time became actresses. Like we worked with Mm. Basinger. And somebody named Pam Dauber, who ended up, there was a TV show uh, called Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: And Pam Dauber became Mindy. And um, Patty Hansen, who married, um, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, um, Mm -hmm. Keith Richards. She was just starting out. I remember she came up to the casting office, and she was so green. And <laughs> uh, 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 Janice Dickinson. I mean, you name it. You know, we worked with them all. But you know, the the catalog was kind of hush hush because nobody wanted to be associated with doing wow. catalogs. And um, so when I started working at at uh, it was called Warsaw W A R S A W, it was on Thirty Fourth Street, and um, I was getting an education in how to make the ugliest, the worst fashion in the world, and you can't really call it fashion because. Mm. You know the catalog world was was really um, not where I wanted to be. I was much more interested in high fashion. But you know, I got my my sea legs, and after so so anyway, I ended up le- quitting school because I thought, hey, I got my start here, and. Um, after, I guess it was about two years, I thought, you know what? I really gotta, I really gotta get moving. I, got, I, gotta, I gotta go after um, high fashion. So yeah. what I did was I moved to San Francisco and I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a, um, a wonderful luxury store called iMagnon and Company. But um, I, the the uh, store the, that I would, um, it was like Bergdorf Goodman in New York. Mm. You know, they had the best designers um, and I was in charge. I was in, I worked, I was the uh, special events coordinator. We did all the fashion shows and all the designers would come to town and they were all from New York. And they all loved me because I was from New York. And I have to tell you, San Francisco was a very provincial town. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't like New York at all. I'm sorry if I'm just going on and on, but I, I'm so- I love it. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love this subject. And I love um, talking about these, you know, what it was like in that time. And really, all of this really led, I've worn many, many hats, Rihanna. And (laughs) um, you know what, I didn't realize at the time that all of my experience would lead me to where I ended up. Right. But when I was working in San Francisco at iMagnon you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, was um, uh, Ralph Lauren and Bill Blass and mm-hmm. um, James Galinos And, um, you know, uh, I remember, you know, even Diane von Furstenberg mm-hmm. had just gotten into the makeup industry, which didn't last very long. But I remember she she her makeup was at iMagnon and I remember working with her and I remember the wrap dress. Right. Her first. That was such a groundbreaking hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, you know, that was really what what made her. But she was, you know, she's an amazing, amazing woman. You know, a powerhouse. I just, I'm so attracted to strong women. Because, yeah, you know, they they change the world, um, mm. women, and to you know show us we 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 can be um, we can change the the game for other women. You know, those who come before us who pave the way who make it possible mm-hmm. and so it was um a very exciting time and uh then i met uh there's a woman a, an amazing woman who uh was working with diana vreeland mm. are you familiar with diane diana vreeland she's uh, a yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's an amazing, you know, she was <clears throat> editor of Harper's Bazaar and
0: yes,
1: yes. Uh, she, you know, herself has um, such an, uh, she, she, I believe, I'm not sure if this is accurate. She might have been, she worked for a long time for the, you know, the Met Gala. Mm. She was very instrumental in getting that started with an Anna Wintour. Yes, yes. And what was that? I'm sorry. Yes, sorry.
0: I'm just agreeing with you. Everything you're saying is so wonderful.
1: <laughs> um, um, like I said, I'm going on and on. But... No, I
0: love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> oh, good. So um, I ended up, after after I worked at iMagnon, um, there was a woman um, who I met, who had been worked. Uh, she was. Uh, her name was Mary Russell. Yes. And are you familiar with Mary Russell? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, because uh, Ma- Mary might have worked in London for a while, but um, she mm. was. She was. She worked with um, Diane. I also was an editor for um, Glamour, um, different magazines. Uh, Actually, uh, Diana Vreeland was instrumental in in starting Mary on her career. Now, Mm -hmm. we met at iMagnon and she was representing, uh, Diana Vreeland had um, a show that was traveling the country. I forget what the show was at the time. Right now, I you know, it was very big and Mary was um, there at, at iMagnon and she and I hit it off. And she said to me, which like I said, she was living in Paris at the time. And she said, anytime you're in Paris, look me up. Well, that's all I needed to hear. So I all quit right. the job and I showed up on her doorstep. ha. <laughs> I was not going to let this opportunity get away from me because it was a dream ever since I was a child to yeah. go to Paris. And, oh, it was and, and actually, I actually started <clears throat> modeling there myself because I was not the American look. I mm. was far from the girl next door. My looks were very offbeat. And you know, in, in a, uh, Europe was way ahead of of the U.S. in terms of um, you know that kind of kind of offbeat. It's like it's like people like or or, or in London like Twiggy, you know. Right. Um, I was as skinny as Twiggy, and um, so you know, I had I had a really cool time there. I had a great experience. And, um, but something, something happened to me. All of a sudden, and like I said, I've worn many hats. Mm. I got the acting bug. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I just, I thought, you know what? As much as I love fashion, I'm going to put it on hold and I am going to go back to New York. I spent the summer in Paris I went back to New York and I started training to become an actor. And I spent the next 10 years of my life acting. I trained in New York and then I went to LA. And my very first movie was a movie called Real Genius. And it it was in the 70s. And Uh, or I guess it was actually, let me think. No, because I went back to New York in 78 and I trained for two years. So it was 81 by now. Okay. And uh, my very first part was in this movie, Real Genius, and it was opposite Val Kilmer. Wow. (laughs) And I was so scared. Yeah. (laughs) So frightened that I forgot my lines. (laughs) I could not remember my lines to save my life. Oh, no. And I have to tell you, the truth is, I was not an actor. But I think, again, it all stems from this childhood experience of wanting to be in front of the camera right. when I wanted to be a model and felt like, you know what? If I became an actor, I wouldn't have to be beautiful. Yeah. I could, I could actually, but I had no talent for acting. <laughs> I was too nervous and I I, refu- I I I did very well. I got better. I did some television shows. I did some plays. I did, so after 10 years I said to myself, you know what? It's not right for me. I'm going back to New York. Wow. So here here I was on my next phase. You know, you the one thing I learned about the world and if, if you're in something, I mean, I really, I, I could, looking back, I could say, well, did I waste 10 years of my life because <clears throat> fashion was something that came so naturally to me? You know, it was instinctual. I really didn't have to work at it. It was there ever since I was a little girl but somehow, it, uh, you know, this modeling thing was in my head. And, and I felt like if I couldn't be a model, then I was a loser. Oh, yeah. So um, I, when I went back to New York, um, I, I, believe it or not, before I got back into uh, the modeling world as a, as a print producer, The first job I took was um, in documentaries as a producer. And that very first movie I worked on was nominated for an Academy Award, which was very exciting. (laughs) And I met a lot of people. But everybody who I met, every single person was independently wealthy. Because no, you know, this was at a time when documentaries were not as big as they are today. Mm. And um, it was for PBS. And, you know, you do something for public television, you're not going to, you know, make any money and you're going to spend your own Mm. money. But, you know, I worked with a director and she had a lot of money and producer. And so after that, um, I realized, you know, uh, it wasn't, I, I worked, that was what I did through the 90s. Mm. And then um, it was 1999 um, when I got a job as a print producer for advertising. Yeah. And that's when everything came together. <laughs> I was 50 years old and everything finally came together for me. Now, you know, it, uh, You know, it's funny. I was a late bloomer, because mm. I, I didn't get married till I was 47. Oh, and wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, I did everything late in life. And when I found myself um, at 50, working as a print producer, you know, I worked, it was one of the biggest production houses in Manhattan, and we worked with all the big photographers. And we were a team of producers, and everybody was assigned a different photographer. And that's when I found out that casting was my calling. Yeah. Because when you're a print producer, you do it all. So basically, um, you know, you, you hire a stylist, you hire hair and makeup, you hire casting, you hire, yeah. um, you know, you're doing, you know, in those days it was, you know, every corner in New York had a location van. Uh, these days you don't see location. If you see a location van, you're like, it's almost like a ghost. They, they just, right. you know, the budgets. I mean, we had huge budgets in those days. And, um, you know, I I realized that really I started when it it came to casting. And, of course, I knew clothes, but I felt, you know, it was my job to know as a producer you need to know the best. Right. Because you're doing the hiring and basically it falls on you if anything goes wrong as a producer. So there's so Mm -hmm. much. Not only is there so much riding on the line financially, oh my God, I'll tell you the stress level of being a producer with mm. a $200,000 budget to create yeah. one image. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's a joke. The kind of money spent in those days, it was just crazy. But, you know, we had fun. <laughs> uh, you know, somehow we 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 did and um so my husband you know was a was he was an advertising photographer yes and we decided at one point it was like it hit us and he said why don't you quit and you and i will start our own production company yeah we have a studio we you know my husband started out as a musician. Are you familiar with CBGBs? Yes. Okay. Yeah. My husband was if was um, he was a um, a drummer in the CBGBs days. He had a band. Oh well. Wow. He used to, you should see the, the the pictures we have. In in the late 70s. So here he was a musician. But he was getting into photography at the time. Mm. So he has photographs of the Ramones in those days wow. of, of Debbie Harry. Yeah. Of um, um uh Tom Verlaine, uh television, um, <laughs> uh Patty Smith. I mean yeah. it it's it was, I mean, they're just great. it it, it was an exciting time. You know, we didn't know each other back then, which is kind of funny because we figured we were probably at the same venues, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, we, we weren't running in the same circles. And so, um, we started, you know, back. So I guess it was in the early aughts. We, I left my job and we started our own production company. And, um, I produced all the shoots, but I hired everyone except for casting. I did all the casting. Right. Um, That was the one thing I was able to, I was able to wear those two hats simultaneously. And we had a ball, but while (laughs) we were also doing these very high end uh, advertising jobs, I remember one of the jobs I, I, I uh, produced. It was a nine-day cell phone job for uh, some cell phone company in the south, Mm. and you know, like I said, you know, huge budgets, and um, it it, it was. It was a. a, (laughs) I remember. I will never forget this. Um, You know, Robert De Niro you know he he had um in in uh i i when i was working for the documentary um company we had um an office in the tribeca film center mm. and that was robert de niro's uh baby the tribeca film center and you know there were uh, you know so many film companies i used to see him all the time and uh, this was, I guess, um, uh, eighty nine, mm-hmm. ninety. And there was a, a restaurant. The same person who ran his restaurant, his name is Drew Nearpoint, also opened up. A restaurant called Nobu. Yes. Okay. Nobu is, is world famous. <laughs> yes, it is. And so when you do a when you do a job like a big high budget job like um, we were doing for the cell phone company, it's your it's 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 kind. Let's let's just say it's an unwritten rule that the photographer or the pr- photographer on the production company pays to take everyone out for dinner at the end. <laughs> and they wanted to go to Nobu. Oh, no. <laughs> I think when that check came, not that I think, I know my husband took one look at that bill and almost fainted. It was out of this world, <laughs> and and but you know what was was kind of cool. One of the um, uh, one of the advertising people who hired us was a real fan of um, Howard. Uh, what's his name? Howard. Uh, you know the Big Mouth. I can't think of his last name. Oh, I know who you mean. I can't oh, think of it either. Mean, you know, uh, um, Stern. Yes, thank you, Howard Stern. Yeah, got there. <laughs> And he was known. He was known to frequent Nobu. That's why she wanted to go there. Ah. Uh. So who comes in? Howard Stern. <laughs> So well, all I can say is that I think more than the success of the shoot was the fact that Howard Stern came into the restaurant that night and she got mm-hmm. a chance to see him. <laughs> so, you know, that was that was great and we had a really great ride and everything came To a close in 08 with the crash. Mm. All of a sudden, all the advertising budgets were nixed. Right. All the people that would hire us were fired. And everything started to be in-house. Yeah. So... We kind, I have to say, we were like ostriches. We didn't, we kept thinking it was going to come back. It was temporary. Yeah. And there, there was a book. I don't know if you ever heard of a book called The Mouse and the Cheese. Yes. Yeah. And we were the mice going back to the cheese.
0: Yeah.
1: We weren't. We were not seeing, we were not looking for a new path. So we were just living on our savings, thinking it's going to come back. It's going to come back. But it never did. Yeah. So my husband started doing fine art photography. Mm. And we started producing fine art. And uh, he had two, one of his projects, which was called Half Drag, went viral and it was a huge success. It was photographs of drag queens where half their face was made up in the way they would look for their drag, and the other half was, was how they really looked.
0: Yes, I love that. Did you ever see that? I feel like I must have done it at some point because I'm a, was a big, was big fan true. of that kind of thing. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the link to his half drag because it was yes. so big. I mean, it was. I mean, like it was like, you know, when when you go, I remember Italian Vogue had it. I mean, so many big uh, magazines, and I mean, every you know, everyone was using it, and, and yeah. this was, it was phenomenal. And then uh, we did another project, um, neo-burlesque performers.
0: We did studio
1: portraits for neo-burlesque performers. But instead of it being like, ta-da, they were very serious studio portraits as their burlesque persona, which also we ended up doing a show um, at the Museum of Sex here uh, in Manhattan, which is only a few blocks from our studio here, uh, we're in a, a loft building, and that too um, was very successful. And then um, a one of the uh, one of the art directors at Getty Images found out that um, we had a studio. And she asked us to start shooting uh, studio portraits for them. And I was still, I was still casting. I was still, I was, you know, I did a lot of street casting. Mm. And I was always looking for older women because the, you know, the agencies, the model agencies really didn't have the women, you know, it wasn't big in those days like it is today. Yeah. And um, you know who I worked with? This is actually kind of funny, I'm backtracking a bit, but when I was (laughs) a producer in, um, with that big production company, We worked with May Musk. Okay. Now, May Musk wasn't the glamorous May Musk you see today. She was actually a plus-size model. Ah. And in those days, um, she was, you know, a a commercial plus-size model. And she did Mm -hmm. not do fashion. So Mm -hmm. that all all changed later Mm -hmm. on. Um, so anyway, I, you know, as I got older and I, I was really, I wanted to work with older models. I wanted to, you know, work with models of diversity. We, you know, even we worked with, you know, not only the drag queens, but we did, you know, we worked with the trans community. We work right. with people with disabilities. We work with, um you know a lot of women of color um you know and and older you know f- my thing is um 40 plus and yeah. um i also coach i do a lot of coaching for for women who want to get into the industry i'm working with a woman right now um in la who is uh, known. Her name is Ruth Yunker. Um, she's known as as a uh, um, an author, and she's seventy three. And she woke up one day and said, "I want to be a model." Wow! So she hired me to coach her, and it takes time. She now just got her first agent. Amazing! But there, you know, the thing is she really wanted it badly and if you really want to do it you know i i i tell women if you you know if you want to be a commercial print model there is a way there's a formula there's a way to do yeah. it um you know when i was modeling everything all the castings were in person it's not like that anymore Yeah. Um, You know, it was once the pandemic hit, everything, everything is self-tape. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, so how do you do that? You really need to know. You need to know. um, There's so much information. It's, you know, the lighting, the backdrops. um, You need, you know, if you want to do commercials, there's, you know, how do you. Um, you know, there's, um, you know, you need to read lines. Uh, if you don't, if you feel like, uh, you know, there's even a way to read lines with a tele, a home teleprompter, there's, yes. if you want to, um, if you, if you'd not come to, some women say to me, I don't want to do that. So what I, you know, is there's, you know, just print, you know, we see lots of models for print. Um, not every commercial has lines. Uh, but you know, there's a there's a, a certain wardrobe. Um, I actually, during the summer, I discovered a woman in. I don't know. Do you have Best Buy in in uh, the UK? We don't, but I think
0: we're we're all pretty familiar with the concept. I think
1: <laughs> yeah, we all have whatever you know your version yeah. is. I exactly. Saw, I saw <laughs> this amazing woman with. I saw her from the back. And she had long salt and pepper dreads.
0: Oh, wow. And I
1: thought, I have to see what this woman looks like. And she was so amazing. And I I knew she could be a model. And I approached her. And she said to me, she's an art director for a magazine. And she said to me,
0: mm.
1: you know what? My dream has always been to be in a commercial. <sighs> so we shot her. Amazing, and you should see her pictures. She just she said to me, and 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 I have to tell you, Rihanna, we women do their own makeup. This is not about. This is about being real. Yeah, this is not. This is about using your own clothes. It's about doing your own hair and makeup because we want women to look like themselves.
0: Mm.
1: And it, you know, the the photographs. All sh- you know, they if anybody sh- again. If they want to go to my Instagram, they'll take a look. The all the women that they see that I post them all, and all the women that they see, they will see that these women are all wearing their own clothes and their own makeup, and doing mm-hmm. they've done their own hair and makeup, and they're stunning. Yes. And that we have so much, you know, it blows my mind when I, I get so excited when, because my husband also, you know, he's, he's been a professional for so, you know, for over four, you know, like he started in the late seventies and he is mm-hmm. so good at directing. You really want a good director and you, you know, these women are, they're inspirational you know, and they're there, we have they have so much fun. You know, you wanna you want to have fun. And that was the one thing. Uh when I was acting, I did not have fun. <laughs> I did not have fun because I was so my head, I was so afraid I was gonna forget my lines. That was oh, my man. one hang up. I thought, oh my god. And um, I remember uh, in my acting class, oh my God, I took an acting class in LA that was, this is kind of a funny story. You know, the actress Laura Dern. Right. She was, I took this star-studded acting class. It was like every big Hollywood luminary. And I, again, once again, here I was, you know, (laughs) so, so like feeling like, you know, The this like bit no bigger than an inch and and like how did I get into this class and Laura Dern came up to me and she said I know we did a movie together she said please remind me it's been killing me what what did we work on together and you know where she knew me from she knew me from the restaurant where I worked. I had waited <laughs> on her. And I was so, I was so humiliated. And I had to say, I wait on you at Butterfields. And
0: she oh, was, gosh.
1: I was, I mean, God, could you imagine? <laughs> I felt so small, but she was so sweet. I mean, she really was. But it was really cool, you know, you know, every, we all, we all were in, I, I, the teacher was this, um, she was a coach to stars. I mean, she coached everyone. Her name was Sandra Seacat and she was also an actress and Sandra S-O-N-D-R-A Seacat, S-E-A-C-A-T. And, um, she had a very interesting way of working she had a way of working that i've never done before where i mean i was meisner trained sandy meisner um she would have us we were we were working from a book and we each had a character it was actually um I'm trying to remember the name of it Um, It was made into a movie with Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. Um, I I can't remember the name right now, but um, we had characters from the book. And and Sandra would say, before you go to bed, set your alarm clock for three o'clock in the morning. And say to yourself, she was very spiritual. And she said, say to yourself, dear inner self, i never forget this. If it is your will, please reveal to me tonight in a dream what my character needs to know. Or what I need to know for my character. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So I used to do that. We all did that, we did that every night and we would set the alarm and we would get up, no matter what was in our head, no matter what the dream was, we wrote it down. And I did not really have faith in this practice, but I have to tell you, somehow I remember when it was my turn to do the scene, out of nowhere, this huge emotion of tears came out of me wow it was it was quite a shock so obviously it worked yeah yeah it was it was really um quite an amazing uh um way of working so anyway um <laughs> not any time because I you know or if you have any questions I feel like I could just listen to you forever (laughs) (laughs) so so anyway let me let me I'll bring you up to speed to where I am now yes Um, you know my husband and I um well I have to tell you um you know I'm 70 years old now and I have to tell you uh what is so amazing about being older, um, and really, what happened to me also when I was sixty, um, I found out that I was a writer. Wow, found out two things: my love of casting, which I found out earlier, and my love of writing, which I never knew. and that happened by accident because when i was um, when I was sixty, I sent I sent an email to the Huffington Post and I said to them, you know, I, I told her about what it, I'd sent the editor what had happened um, becoming a model at the age of 60. Mm. I said, I'm not a writer, but if somebody would like to interview me, I would love that. And she said to me, you know what? What you wrote to me is absolutely perfect I would love to print it as is and also would you blog for us wow and I said to her but I'm not a writer and she (laughs) oh yes you are so she had me write about my uh, my acting career and my modeling career at that time which was really more modeling than acting um, my first my first print job at, at you know at sixty it, it you know it was like my third audition, and um, it was for uh, a pharmaceutical company, for Pfizer, and the 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 uh, product was called Victrellis. and it was for hepatitis C, <laughs> and I was paid twenty five hundred dollars for. Two years of usage, it's all about the usage. Um, mm. And after two years they came back to me and they say, we want we want to buy the usage again for another two years. And I got paid the same $2,500. Only this time I didn't have to do anything. Right. <laughs> so that was really cool. And um, you know, women over 40, are are having their um their, their it's happening you know it's really yeah. happening now. and that's what is so exciting. and more and more wi- women um are seeing that and they're we're we're not invisible anymore. you know yeah. for anyone who feels invisible, it's a really cool thing. To get your head out of that kind of notion and show who you are and strut your stuff. And if you love fashion, you know I'll tell you something else, Rihanna. One one of the thing I didn't tell you, I'm also a vintage clothes collector. I'm huge secondhand shopper in fact yeah. I used to spend all my time at the flea markets and I used to have in uh also in the 90s I had my own um secondhand vintage store in the West Village and really mm. I had it because I had to have a way to get rid of my clothes oh, gosh clothes were taking over my apartment I had two <laughs> And when I met my husband, he said to me, I almost turned around and walked out. (laughs) So so, um, anyway, I would love, uh, also there's my website, which is modernagercasting.com. If you want to take a look at um, women that I've uh, cast there, um, course, yeah. and, uh, you know, about, um, if, you know, you want to work with me, I do offer, uh, I will be offering a free 15 minute zoom call for anyone who hears. Mm-hmm. this. And awesome. that information is on there. And, um, like I said, on my, uh, IG, you'll see, um, all the women I work with and, you know, uh, just women that I love to promote and follow me. Follow me. And, uh, you know, and if you, if you were shy, boy, I tell you, this is a great way to open up. Yeah. And, and, uh, if you're not shy, it's a great place to be in front of a camera and show who you are. I love that. Because women, women today are doing it. Yes. <laughs> and I love I what you do it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, like I said, um, I, I was just in awe of when I bought my first Biba t-shirt, And I had my canvas Biba over the knee boots in one in green and one in purple. And it was, it was, I wanted so badly to be a Carnaby street girl. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, all, all those, that was my style. And then I still look, I still see myself as a, a sixties rocker.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Beetle boots. I love that. <laughs> so if there's, if you don't have any questions or you want to say anything I mean, else.
0: I had a whole page of questions written down, and you've just answered them all yourself. Whoa, I mean, it's whoa. incredible. <laughs> it's <laughs> energy. I, I think this is the easiest interview I've ever done. I think I've just sat here the whole time.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, I'm a blabbermouth
0: no no it's perfect it's absolutely perfect
1: (laughs) well I I so thank you for inviting me this has been so cool and and I have to tell you I I went online and I just in honor of you I I replayed the song Rihanna and (laughs) I I just had so much fun just listening to it such a beautiful song and such a beautiful name
0: Oh thank you. I'm so glad I was able to inspire that.
1: You <laughs> did. You did. Thank well, you. Thank you. Well
0: thank you so much for coming on. Um it's yeah, it's been amazing just listening to to everything and all of the experiences that you've had and I'm sure a lot of people will find it really inspiring.
1: Well, thank you and again, I would love to meet anybody who's interested.
0: Absolutely. We will send them all your way.
1: <laughs> thank you. Thank you, and uh, enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy, indeed. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: This episode of London Runway Style was presented by me, Chief Editor Rhiannon de You can find full issues as well as interviews, articles, trend reports, and more at londonrunway.co.uk. And follow us at London Runway Mag on most social media channels. Until next time, enjoy.